What's your story? Greetings, kings and queens around the globe. This is Miss Dorothy Harris, a.k.a. Mother Wastana of the legendary Derek Leon Williams, B.G. Derek, Tenwar Derek, Bulletproof Derek, number two stunning. You know, you already know. And this is my story. Perfect. <laughs> so, tell her where I actually, I mean, where are you from? I am from New Orleans, Louisiana, 10th Ward, Charity Hospital, baby. Charity Hospital, yeah. Charity Hospital. Okay, so for yourself growing up, all right, how it was for you? For me, I was raised with uh, four sisters and two brothers. Well, one brother didn't live with us, but four, six of us. And it was just a little fun child, child thing. I was more quiet, though. I was, I was very quiet in the shell type of person. So, you know, you have, like, a few siblings, you know, the world. Yes. Actually knows right. like a few of them. Right. So, I'm like, do you want to speak up on that? I mean, I have siblings that the world knows is legendary, and that's the Cash Money Rocket family, and we all have the same father. The siblings I just spoke of was by the, mother, by the same mother, but all, we all have the same father, so, yes, it's a bunch of us. I always want to ask you. And like one of his kids, like this man is a legend because he have a lot of kids. Right, right. So how many kids did he have? Are like in like total? I was told about twenty two. Well, I think the last obituary I had from my dad that I had about twenty two of us in it. Okay, so like how old were you when you first? I'm um, when you first I'm um, like met your brother, I'm um, like Brian, Brian and Ronald. Um, I was basically grown with 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 my son. I knew of them when we were kids ourselves, but we we knew of them, but we didn't know each other at that point in time. But we knew of, you know, my mom would go to the bar and stuff like this by my dad. So I knew of those children, but we personally didn't know each other as siblings. Gotcha. So, you know, and when you become one, like one full, I'm like adult. I'm like, how old were you? I'm like, when you had your first son. When I had, oh... Uh, Derek, I was in my 20s, 20, 20, 20, 21, I think, 21, I believe. Okay. Also, how many kids did you, like, have? Like, I have, I have three, two, two deceased and one alive. Okay. So, so, like, you know, I want you to bring me in, and like, for, it's like the years of the time spans when you had them. Okay. I, Derek was my firstborn son, um... I had him December 15, 1980. My next baby uh, died at birth, so I never brought him home. I had him at six months, and that was like 80. And Derek, 80. I think like 80, 85 or something like that. I think it was about 85. In March of 85. I mean, your last kid was born. And my last child... It's Delvin, Mighty Lee, and his birthday in July. Boy, when the child was born. Well, he right here. He can say <laughs> No, I'm trying to think of the years. He got me through for the years. What is it, 89? 95. 95. I'm, I'm trying to throw for I'm the years. He a baby, baby, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, like, 
when you had your first child, actually, like, what were you staying at? When I had my first child, I was living in Alexandria. Okay. Yeah. So and, so he, and so he was born out there? He was born in Alexandria. Okay. I mean, he just was born there, basically, or moved back to New Orleans within like seven or eight months, or maybe even less than the net of his birth time. So basically born in New Orleans. He was still a baby when he came back. Oh, no. He was like four years old. Yeah, it wasn't months, he was a, a few years old. But he basically was raised in New Orleans. Don't know much of nothing about Alexandria. Right. So, so like, so like, when you came back to New Orleans, did you actually like move to the project? <laughs> well, I never lived in a project in my life. Dang. <laughs> Derek hung in a project so much. Everybody thought he lived in a project. He never lived in a project, but that was his home away from home. It's a project baby. That St. Thomas project, <laughs> yes. He loved at St. Thomas. So, all right, where did you actually um, stay at? We stayed uptown in the tent one around Annunciation in Melford, Maine. So it was already close to him. He yeah. was school with them. Right, yeah. Gotcha. So, like, you know, how old was he when you realized that he was actually becoming one, I'm like, rapper? Derek was doing music, oh, what that like, about 10, about 10 years old. I mean, he, first he was into band. I, I noticed he really took his rapping more seriously, I guess as he was in his teens, more in his teens, but um, as a young boy, uh, in elementary he started doing music. So from that day, I, and I, I speak about a lot of this here, what you're asking me in my book. So, you know, they got to read the book. got to read the book for something. got to read the book for something. got to save a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it would be more in his teens. Gotcha. So, I'm like, how old was he when he realized that he had an uncle? I'm going to have one on a record label. Okay. They, the record label, he, I mean, he was, he was about 14, 15 years old when the record label was getting started. So Derek was there in the beginning of the record label getting started. So he got to see everything and that was like in his teens. So he was supposed to be original part of that deal. So. Right. So like, you know, but how it was for you, like on your end, when you found out, you know, like, oh, my son about to, you know, take this route. Cause like, you know, around that time, like rapping was still kind of, kind of new to New Orleans because like you know it was mainly one bouncing right. so you know it kind of transitioned to like the gangster rap he you know and Cash Bundy Big Boy No Limit and they start growing so like how did you feel about you know having a son that's being a rapper I was excited I was happy for him you know I was happy for him he was happy you know it's like everybody in our neighborhood we was on Chippewa during that time everybody you know, knew him as a number two stunner. Everybody uh, treated him like he was a original hot boy that he had already made it and starred him. You know. So, yeah, we were very happy. Gotcha. So, like, you know, for as your knowledge, how did he react when he first dropped his first tape? He ran around, he wanted everybody to listen to it, telling everybody he going to be rich, you know, he, he going to be a star. And that's how he always looked at himself to be a star, that he was going to make it in this world and be his own boss. You know, he, he didn't feel like he was going to work for nobody else. Gotcha. 
Right. And so, like, you know, as far as him growing and start, you know, jumping on songs, and so how did, I'm like, y'all relationship actually remain, you know, and was it still, you know, good? Like, you know, you were trying to tell him, like, you know, I don't think you should rap like this or rap about this. By the time Derek had some music that I thought was so filthy, <laughs> he was a grown man. <laughs> Couldn't really tell him. Right, right. You know. So, like, did he ever, like, you know, ever, like, ma, and I, but I want you to hear this. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he told me, wanted me to listen to his music, and, uh, you know, he gave me his music, told me, give him a minute, and I ain't going to have to work no more. We're going to be all right after a while. And I listened to the music. The music was good. I mean, some of it was dirty, but it was clean. That's that's the you know that that little that phase they give, blank but clean. You know, so it was it was something that if he would be living, a lot of it I probably wouldn't listen to him. You know, but a lot of it is true stories and stuff that he's talking. Just some of the stuff he talk about, you know, with females and things like that. It was kind of dirty. <laughs> mm. yeah, like, but the first time I actually heard him, like he was being honest. Like you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't mind. Like you don't meet that many music artists that's honest. Like you know, because like in the first album I heard was undisputed, and he went from shining, talking about you know the, the lifestyle he was living or not living right. to like you know. Right. He also went to like a fucked up side as well. I like, was like yeah, right. so he, right. he was being brutally honest though. Yeah. So you know, like you don't find that too often, especially from New Orleans. Everybody want to live this lifestyle and just want you to think that it's all good. Right. And and I think that's what I admire the most about my son because he kept it 100. You know, he, he kept it real, whether you liked it or not. And excuse my French, like I say, shit it, but clean, you know. And he left a true message on this world, you know, for people going to always live by that the rest of their life, you know, and things like that. Some things we can't take for granted when, when it comes to the music industry, family, friends, females, you know, all of that there. And some of the females that he talked about, I mean, they 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 enjoy, you know, if you if you being a part of the music, a, a person talking crazy about you, but this is the life you living with that person. I can't get mad at him. I just know I taught you better respect, you know. Right. So like you know, and like also, but your son is always I like remember by the song that you have on your shirt. That's, yes, yes. That's really. a song that when it come on, you know, you gotta kind of watch who in the club with you. Right. <laughs> so, like, you know, all right, what was your reaction the first time you heard that song? I thought that song was very real. You know, I mean, it's it's so much, so many ways we could get snake, and it's always by people who we, you know you you're close to. It's like outside are not gonna get to you too likely, but. If he have, if a friend of yours, you know, of your friend, they'll get to you like that there. But you just have to watch your surroundings. You got to be, in New Orleans, we do a lot of partying down here. That's our thing. That's our culture. We grew up out of there. You know, and we beefing with somebody, but yeah, we go to the sucking line, just like Derek said. And you spotting that dude or, or whoever you beefing with, but you see the police. And you look, you, you're a little nervous, but you're comfortable with that same token. That police will turn his head and you, you down. He's going to run too. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, right. You know, and then that person running with the crowd just like he said. You know, that's a true story. That's a true statement to live by. Not just during his time, but forever. It's still going on. It's worse. It is worse, you know. It's no loyalty among thieves or whatever. You know, it used to be loyalty even when you're hustling or whatever. 
There was loyalty. There's no loyalty no more. No love, no people. You know, f females and males are both cutthroat. You know, we we not everybody, but we living in a time where females and the males are cutthroat today. You know. Yeah, there was no loyalty. Right. So bring me back to the day. I'm like that. You got that phone call. I actually didn't get a phone call. I was going taking my baby trick or treat mighty Lee and he was like seven years old, they're 14 years apart. And so I really didn't even much want to go trick or treating, but he insisted on me taking him trick or treating and I did. But just to come home and nobody could find me, I didn't get to the scene of the crime and all of this here. But just to come home and find my son, find out all these people around my house and that my son had been murdered, you know. I felt like I could have died, you know. I, I, I felt like I could have died. I felt like I wanted to die, but I can't because my baby needs me. I can't get Derek back, but I got a baby that still needs me, and I got to be here for that child. Right. And that was my motivation. And, like, that was my I mean, next question to you, like, after, you know, hearing that your child is, is murdered, because, like, you know, like, here in New Orleans, it's, like, it's kind of normal, but it's not normal nowhere else. Like, it's no way you're supposed to bury your child. No. But no. Also, I want to ask, like, for us, like, how was your, like, mental state, you know, following that time, going to a funeral to bury your child, and, and like, after? And, like, still trying to raise a child that's, like, looking for a few to still feed them every day and things like that. Right. Um, I found myself, I broke many days and nights. If I go to the store or whatever, wherever I be, I, I could find myself just thinking about Derek and tears rolling down my eyes, you know. I cried many days and night, and I only had my seven-year-old son there to pray for me. And Almighty uh, Lee, Del Delvin, he was deep in the church during the time his brother uh, died. And when he prayed for me, I now realized it was only God speaking through him because he was my strength, you know. So you felt like, you know, you basically kind of really needed that as well because, like, you right. know, and, but if I'm like, Derek was, like, the only child, you know, right. like, you know, and we have a lot of mamas that's, you know, losing their child, and that be their only child. Right. And, like, you know, you don't really know who to, like, look for for that comfort because, like, you know, this is the, this is something that's not spoken of. Like, after the funeral, people don't really check on you like that no more. No. I had a few that did, though, and I commend them highly. And I'm still, and I'm still close friends with them to this day. But I had a few Derek friends, you know, guys that checked on me. Shout out to Steve, boy, he's he's dead and gone, but, you know, shout out to his mother for raising him in that way because when Mother's Day would come, he would come to my house and find me and bring a, a, two things of flowers, one for Derek and one for uh, for Mighty Lee because he was too young to, you know, do it himself. And he always would come and check on us and stuff like that. Duke, Duke, he did, that's like a son of mine, the brother of Derek, and he recently died. So it was like, they were all there. They was always there for me, you know. Terry, uh, Brandon, a few, few of his friends. Sh uh, Shawan, I don't want to say her name because I'm gonna leave out people. <laughs> but y'all, you know, you know who you, you know are. Who yeah, those people were there for me, and they still are today. I mean, some of them is like because of Derek, I made friends with their parents, and these are thirty to forty year old friendships, and we are like family today, you know. 
So I'm grateful for that there. But no, a lot of times people say they're there for you. And after that person closed their eyes, you're, you're on your own. And not just the friends, your family too, you know. People leave you on your own and they think that you're okay. You're never okay, you know. I don't walk around crying every day. I get my moments. I don't know how I'm going to be in all of this. And people look at you dirty, you're strong. But they don't know what's happening in the inside of me, you know. Sometimes I have to call my son up and tell him I'm having a bad day, you know. But I would wish that on nobody because no mother should have to bury their child. I buried my son at the age of 21 when he was just legally considered a man, you know. So even though he he, he been walking in the shoes of a man, but you legally considered an, an adult. And it, it's painful. It's painful. You don't get over it. You live with it the rest of your life, you know. You, God, God bless you to genuinely smile, you know, and talk to people and get you through day by day. But your pain are there every day. It's not a day of my life that go by I don't think about my child, you know. And it's 20 years later, not a day have passed that I haven't thought of Derek. Gotcha. So, you know, moving on, like, basically, you end up maybe deciding after a while, you was gonna actually like write a book. So like, I wanna know, I mean, how did the process go? Like with you, I like writing a book. Writing a book, I, I have been told all my life, like even before there were dead people tell me, Dorothy, you know, you, you likes to write and stuff like this, and you should write a book or you can speak well about certain things, even though I, I personally didn't even see it in myself. My son always seen it in me, no matter how I felt. And Delvin was, telling me, you know, write a book all the time too. So three years ago, Mother's Day, this book was a gift. This was a this was a Mother's Day gift for me. I wonder what my Mother's Day gift will be tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> but this was a Mother's Day gift from Delvin. And he he did everything. All I had to do was just write, you know. And what I love about him, even him himself, he didn't read this book until it was all just like everybody else, so he didn't even know what I said in this book. And, um, and so uh, that was a blessing, but I, I had a lot of setbacks because I had cancer. So I'm uh, uh, three years, stage three cancer, breast cancer, free praise God, all great, all blessings unto God. You well, know. with that being said, we're going to give you all your flowers right now while you can smell mm -hmm. them because you're here. Right, thank so, you. So, like, you know, let's kind of go a little bit into that process. Like, you know, mm. like, being strong as well, having cancer, like, do you think by you still having your son, still your angel right here beside right. you right now, right. even through that process of cancer, do you look like, you know, that was like a, you know, I'm like a lesson learned as well? That was a fight that I just couldn't give in to because, again, I'm leaving my child, and this time, he don't have a sibling, you know. Oh, so, he was my strength to fight, and I inspired him, and he inspired me. We, 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 we did our crying together, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But I will say, I thank God, you know, I made it through cancer and all, and it's, it was very painful. I went through a lot over those, over those three years, and I had a lot of surgeries and stuff like that. But... That pain don't compare to me bearing Derek. It don't compare. 
that's my greatest pain. Well, um, we know, but you know, and I'm glad you're still here for the cancer thing. But right. you know, like for us, you know, you have your book now. Like, like, what is your greatest, I'm like, memory of Derek? Just always being around me, acting silly, people calling him my twin. When you seen Derek, you seen me because I always kept Derek with me. And you know, I kept Derek with me so much. Some people would say that boy ain't gonna grow, grow up and be another but a little punk, you know, because he stayed out of mama so much. I told him. God didn't bless me with no peas, and I'm not raising no peas. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm, I'm being straight. That's just what I told him, you know. And so, you know, but I, I always, like, I was a part of everything he was doing in school and stuff like this, marching in the band, and a lot of the children from school know me, the teachers and stuff like that. That's because I always placed myself a part of that. Now, I wasn't just a part of it because my ex-husband, who helped to raise Derry Yam, James Harris, he was a major part of it, of it all with us, too, you know. So I'll shout out to him. I don't want to, be, you know, just take all the credit. But um, yeah, I I I I have so many pictures with Derek and I just doing things together and stuff like dressing alike and things, you know. So I I could never had imagined my life being without Derek. I really could. I really didn't. And I like I said, I we say we don't know how we gonna deal with things that happens. I always felt like I'll die without Derek, and you know, I'm still here. But I thank God for, you know, delving because that was the strength. So, let's bring it back. Well, like, what year, like, actually, what year, like, how did you feel when, when your youngest son actually came to you and said, he makes music now? I was, I was happy, but then again, you know, it kind of makes you nervous, you know, it, it, you, you, you want the best for them, but it kind of makes you nervous. And I tell my child every day, son, be safe and watch your surroundings, you know, because it, it's so much hatred in the music industry. And even with Derek, I always say the music, music industry was just another form of the dope game, you know. I always felt like that there. And I just didn't know, you know, he had people that would hate on him because he was so free-hearted and given to other people and stuff like that there. But it's it's all it's all the same. And when I listen to when I listen to Delvin, Trayvon Martin had got killed I think during that time, and I was really nervous and upset because I know my child walk around with a hoodie on him. But when I listen to his music. I realized, you know, how deep he was and stuff like this. Uh, and I even go back to the day and listen to some of his old music and when he started off into where he is now, and he have, he have grown tremendously. So uh, it's still it's still a little nervous thing, but he tries to break he break me out of that. But a mama gonna always worry about her ch children, be it they out there in the music or just doing everything. To, you know, it's just very dangerous yes, as being yes. a black male. When you come outside. You really don't know if you come back home. Right. Like, the, like right. you know, every, like it's just, it's just so many people against you, the world, females, police, right. other people, your friends. And, like, the craziest thing about, you know, friends, especially in the world, is, like, I, and I really don't kind of respect because, like, it's easy to kill your friend because your friend trusts you. So, like, <laughs> so like you shouldn't get no, like, you're not a real killer if you kill your friend. Like, yeah. it's easy to kill that person. I mean, or that person might fall asleep in a car with you. Anything can right. happen. Like so, you're not a real killer. You kill your friends. So, like, like just New Orleans, 
in general, like I can't tell people other people's city, but like we have a bad rep of killing each other. Yeah. Like I tell people, like being a tourist, it's a it's a big chance nothing might not happen to you. Mm-hmm. We only kill each other. Mm-hmm. Like we hate on the person who we know. Like we don't want the person who we know to actually do better than us. Right, right. You can come up, like you said, but just don't do better than me. You know, you want me to be dependent upon you, and and that's bad when we all could eat. You know. But it's too much greed. One person wants the whole thing for themselves. It's enough for everybody, you know. And they don't see it like that, though. And, like, also, we from a city where it's like an unwritten rule or law. Like, we the only city that mainly you know the killing the victim and you don't say nothing. Just, you just act like it's normal. Killing the victim, sit at your table with you, eat with and you. And the killer might be at your and second be at, And be at, I'm to say <laughs> that. I was about to say that. You're going to celebrate right there with your parents or your whomever your family is, you know. And kind of like the Juice music. I mean, if it's kind of like the on a Juice movie with Tupac. <laughs> but when he went to this friend funeral, like, it's kind right, of crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, uh, I think I speak about this in my book, but I'm going to say this here for it. I actually dreamt years before my son got killed that he was murdered at the hands of his friends, and they came and they agreed with me. And Derek was living at that time, and I told him, and he sat on my lap, and I, I was crying, and he had tears rolling out his eyes crying with me. It, it was just crazy that many, many years later, that's basically my reality, you know. So you like, yeah, you know, like visions. Yeah. Like, you know, and like a lot of people get visions. Like, I actually get visions, but I don't know when it's actually going to happen. Well, some things bad happen. I be hoping it don't go transpire right. and get the right. vision. But like, right. you know, and it's crazy because like, even if you get that vision, you, you but you still can't really like protect the person because you don't know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And like, you also can't like shelter the person. Right. So you got to kind of like tell them how to move. Like, you know, you got to keep an eye on who you're around. I have had that to happen to me several times. I don't like it when it happens because the, 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 when it happened, it, it basically came true. But uh, I remember, I remember one time it happened with uh, Delvin, and I I dreamt something was gonna happen with his car, and if I go tell him this, he gonna think I'm crazy, you know. So I just stood in the gap in prayer. But then he called me later. My guess what happened? My tires blew off my car all the way to the rim, but God covered him, you know. So I really. I'd be like, Lord, I don't like that. And, you know, just, just in, like, reality, no one want to hear nothing about to happen to them. Right. Like, it's like, what? I don't hear that. Like, right. like you know, but it's, but, and, but sometimes it's kind of good to warn a person before they can know how to kind of move to. Right. But, you know, that, that's a different topic for I them. Mean, when it comes before destruction, even with that, that, that topic, because even when you see something in your children or in their friends and all that, there, you know, you tell them you you can tell them uh whomever whomever the company be it don't just have to be friends business or whatever you can tell them but it's their decision what they do with it in the end you know and stuff like that but warning will always come before that destruction and you're gonna go back and something did happen i remember that there you know it's like deja vu you know so i i, I just think we just got the Stay more alert. Keep God first in whatever we do. And if should, something bad should come, that you know, He protects us. I and mean, even if I'm not here in this life, I'm in paradise. You know, that's that's our goal. Cause our soul gonna live on. You know, when we live, leave this world. So, right. yeah. so, tell us 
actually, I'm like, what's next for you? What's next for me? Volume two is next. You know, I gave just so much of this here in volume one, basically showing people who Derek was, how he was raised from the womb to the tomb. I'm basically giving, giving you step-by-step -step pieces of him. And so then I think in volume two, I'm gonna get a little deeper with it than I did in volume one. I'm not gonna let his name die. I mean, he was a legend in life and he lived that life. He loved people, no matter what I hear on social media, because everybody entitled to their own opinion. I respect that there, but that it don't make it all true. So I'm gonna continue pushing his name that his name don't die and his legacy never died for what he stood for as a man and the love he had and the lessons that he left here in that music, even though some of it is all dirty music that I wouldn't be listening to if he was living, you know, all the cursing and all of this here type of stuff. But it's true, it's true. So, you know, even like, like he said, any one of them with, with people out there hustling, you know, you pay lawyers when you don't even need them. And that's the truth because one day you go need them. You keep grinding. The wrong way you gonna need him one day, so you know. I yeah, he was the first person actually I heard that see. Yeah. And I kind of took that advice. And he, <laughs> let me tell you because that's what he did. He did stuff like that. He didn't just say that. He actually right. did that. You know. Like I actually, I actually was a fan of Derek and didn't even know what he looked like. Wow. Like I got a mixtape undisputed, but <laughs> and like at first I couldn't really understand. Like, yeah, but I really couldn't tell. If it was him rapping or chaotic, cause they, even though that, okay. like, like sometimes their voices kind of mm -hmm. sound like the same, mm -hmm. but like I didn't actually see his face until social media came out. Wow. Yeah, like I never had, like I was a little younger. I ain't seen no concerts or nothing, but like I didn't see his face until like the social media. You know, era. you know what I realized? And I'm so old school. I was, I was, uh, oh, what uh, a dinosaur, ancient. Didn't, didn't know much, much about social media. Even though I had YouTube, I didn't know much about it. But um, I put a lot of my pictures out, and then people started taking them and all of this. Yeah, yeah and I'm telling you know my son about the pictures and stuff. So when he go through my stuff, mama, you put you got your pictures here, and I'm not really understanding all of this here, you know. So more of his pictures got out. Then you know, I put some in my book, but uh, some of them got out just by people going on my social media pages and taking them and, and stuff like this here. But I try to relate my, the pictures that I put in, I try to relate it to the story that I'm talking about in that sequence in order. So, you know, people could get a better feel of what I'm saying and stuff like this, yeah. And like I said, I'm basically telling people what a lot of people in the world don't know about Derek, him being real, and how he came up and stuff like this, yeah. So from, from that child, from that baby child, coming from Alexandria to New Orleans, from being in elementary school to middle school to high school to becoming a man and and you know and ending up you know getting his life taken away you know and I don't make it I, I don't want a pity party book so I don't make a pity party book but I do tell my story I'm not, I don't have a pity party book I put laughter in my book as well because I got to tell some of the more crazy stuff that he did because he he was a jokester he loved to be a jokester and stuff like this yeah you know and so. I just give you a little bit of all his life, and yes, if you mess with him, he'll fight and all of this here, you know. So, I I just try to put it where everybody would get a better understanding of him, and not just what you know you hear out here in this world, and not not even so much of what I hear out in this world because my my book was um 
in my heart before even I knew much about social media. Like I said, I was lost to social, social media, but my book was always in my heart because this is my child and my son knew, Delvin knew that that book was there and he pulled it open because he didn't give me a, a, a choice by paying, paying for everything in advance. I couldn't waste, you know, the money and stuff like this. Yeah. But that book was always there and I want to share that book with the world. I want that legacy to live through that book. When I close my eyes, the day or tomorrow, but I'm looking for my 82 years and over like my mama did. God, please show me favor, mercy, and grace. <laughs> but I'm looking for that time. But uh, I have a granddaughter, and my granddaughter going to get pick that book up. And this is my grandmother. She's going to tell her friends, you know, Mighty Lee Delvin, he's going to continue to push this book. This is my mom and stuff like this. Any other family, you know, member may do it as well. But I know for sure my granddaughter going to be proud to say, my grandmother wrote this here book, you know. And she's a baby, not never knowing her uncle, but only what she hear of her uncle. You so, so I, I I plan on continuing that legacy to keep it keep it alive. You know, and you can find my book "Mother Was Stunned" by Dorothy Harris, first time writer, straight from the heart to the world on Amazon. It's on Kindle, Amazon, Amazon, and what is Vent, Vent, Vintage Print? Mm -hmm. at, at Vintage Print. Hit, hit Mighty Lee of Delvin. You can get it there too. Check us out. It's real. The story is true. Love you. Gotcha. And also, last but not least, tell the world. Actually, I'm like, what can they find you at? On social media and just everywhere. Okay. Facebook, Dorothy Harris. YouTube, Dorothy Harris. Exhaling the silence. Exhaling the silence. It's like I'm, I'm tired of being quiet, you know. Uh, Instagram, IG, Mother of a Son. And I don't know what the TikTok is. Somebody else made the TikTok. So it got those crazy numbers and stuff, but it's on the Dirty Harris too. But yeah, IG, Mother of a Son. Facebook, Dirty Harris. Or YouTube, Exhale in the Silence. Oh, but all right, we done. And also, oh, but that is your story. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it, 10 toes down.